This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, the level of inflation in the U.S. economy is something that uh, we really haven't seen in uh, several decades. Uh, And uh, that, of course, has led the Federal Reserve to hike interest rates significantly. And that was part of the problem for uh, banks like SVB and First Republic. They had worked for so long with rates near zero that a structure with rates between 4 and 5% was somewhat foreign to them. And in some cases, that framework was not something that those mid-sized banks could handle. Itamar Dreschler is a professor of finance here at the Warden School to join us to take a look at how these banks uh, are moving forward right now and what mid-sized banks should be thinking about in general. Itamar, great to talk to you again. How have you been? Good. Uh, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Uh, and great to talk to you as always. And it, it, that component that I've heard it mentioned a couple of times, that maybe some of these banks were not prepared for an environment of rates around 4 to 5% because they had been down around 0% for such a long period of time. How much do you think that factors in? Uh, <clears throat> somewhat, but I guess I think it factors in less than, than the average person that talks about this. Uh, I, obviously, the rates going up did have something to do with what happened, um, but I think in, the reason I don't think that it's, it's that they sort of weren't ready is that in the case of SVB, I think the main thing was that uh, rates going up seemed to be put the tech in a down part of the cycle, and their customers, their depositors, were largely tech. And so that money was disappearing sort of probably not, not directly because, you know, they didn't know about rates going up, but because it had an effect on the tech sector. In terms of First Republic, I had heard from many people, including some of my co-authors and colleagues, that they had been giving out mortgages at ridiculously low rates. On the the logic, apparently, that if you give people a bunch of free money then and ask them to deposit it with you, that's growing your market share. There's no doubt that it's growing your market share. I don't think that was like a particularly great way to do it. I admit that I had wanted to short the stock, but I was afraid that uh, it would show a lot of market share growth. I'd end up losing on it. So, I mean, in each case, it probably precipitated, like the end being faster, but I in, in, in the two of them, I'm not sure it was directly the rates going up being unforeseen that, that caused the problem. Where do you think then we stand around with the banking sector right now? And and is there a better management or I would think I would hope that there probably was a, a better management of, of risk just in general. But where we stand right now and, and where we're moving in the, in the near term. Uh, um just to take a step back, I think the basic quote-unquote hedge that banks have is their deposit franchise. So, so long as so the idea is that when rates go up, you don't pay that much more on deposit. Uh, some people leave because they are looking for higher returns. Most people stay, but the rates that you have to pay don't go up that much. They're pretty low and stable. And so you can fund long-term assets whose coupons basically don't change that much when the short-term interest rate goes up. However, at that point, it is very important that you have the depositors there to provide you with this stable, lower-cost funding. If they leave, either because the tech sector falls apart or because you underestimated how much they're looking for higher interest rates, for higher uh, 
you know, returns on their deposit, then the hedge may not work, and then you're in trouble. So the question, and a lot of people have been asking, is have depositors, you know, going to become more aggressive, either because of the whole SVB crisis woke them up to it, or just for other reasons, and, and the banking sector underestimated how aggressively depositors are going to go looking for higher rates. Apparently, the banks have been saying that they are looking somewhat more aggressively than they expected, but they had expected them to look very, very not aggressively. They had expected right. their, in, their, ba- their interest rate beta, the amount they'd have to raise deposit rates, to be historically very, very low. Even if they come out like 50% higher, I still think it wouldn't be very high. So in that scenario, we're not talking about like an existential threat to banking, but it, at, you know, their stock prices are down. It was less good than they expected. So I think that's kind of where we are. It doesn't mean you won't get some other weak hand, you know, potentially finding out that they had made overly optimistic assumptions. I don't think for the right. thing as a whole word, like an existential problem. This is in part tied to a paper that uh, you and some colleagues have uh, just released uh, uh, about a month or so ago uh, mm-hmm. about uh, the the issues that we saw uh, in that period of time. Give us a little synopsis of, of what your uh, paper has really looked at. So we, before we wrote, so just the precursor to this was us sort of showing in the data and explaining how this quote unquote hedge works. Uh, operational hedge in terms of this is what banks do. They take deposits. How do deposits work? You know, their interest rate doesn't go up all that much. And as a result, they can and, and, and want to hold a, a significant portion of their portfolio in, in uh, long-term uh, you know, mortgages and things like that. Here we're taking a look at the fact that the, the percentage of depositors that are uninsured has climbed a lot over the last 10 years. And I think that's one of the things that we'll have to reckon with. We're thinking about what do you need to do to deal with these uninsured people? Um, Because it is the case if they're uninsured that they do not feel as safe as if they have the government guarantee, the insurance, and they may decide then if they feel you're in trouble to run on you. And SVB had 95% uninsured, and they did obviously run. And so we're thinking uh, somewhat about how much you have to sort of act as if your depositors really will demand higher rates even then they really will to kind of further hedge yourself against the possibility that these uninsured people uh, decide in larger measure to, to skip town. And that's, that's kind of one of the results. You, you have to act like your market power over your deposits is worse than it really is. Basically, like they will demand more interest rate than, uh, than, than in reality they might to protect yourself as interest rates go up from the fact that some of your depositors will be leaving. Um, and, you know, it's a question of how much did they really do that or not and, and, and yeah. how much they'll adjust to that going forward. How much concern do you think there should be about, uh, you know, other runs on deposits occurring here in the uh, weeks and months ahead with some of the dynamics at play? I, I was mentioning earlier, there's obviously some uh, talk about the kind of the, the state of the commercial real estate market and how yeah. uh, a lot of mid-sized banks are tied into uh, that potential risk. Yeah, so that's what people have been focusing on, that the regional banks are in, disproportionately doing commercial real estate. It's actually a relatively recent thing that they got into this disproportionately like they weren't they were more proportionate before and that's i guess that's where the concerns are that 
that because of moves to work from home and so forth, their office properties are not going to perform as well. I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that obviously there can be a bank here and there that has a lot of this that, that then has loans that underperform and that could then get into trouble with that. But what I've seen, they, it is not, even out of commercial real estate, people should understand that offices are not the only thing. There's like healthcare, there's a lot of multifamily, a lot of the increase in investment was multifamily, and there's a lot of demand for, for apartment buildings because we've really underbuilt like single homes. And so while, again, I think that there's, uh, there could be banks here and there that end up having a, a serious problem, I, my sense is that it's not, it's not that the whole sector is like in trouble of going under. I, I hope I'm not too right. sanguine about it. It's usually kind of dangerous to be sanguine about things, but at right. least the announcements I've seen, it, it's, it's a little bit less you know, panic mode than it was you know, it seemed at one point. Itamar, great to talk to you as always. Thanks very much for your time today. Thank you. Itamar Dreschler, who is a professor of finance here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.